Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA, where a doctor, lawyer, a little boy, and a priest were out for a Sunday afternoon flight on a small private plane. Suddenly, the plane developed engine trouble. In spite of the best efforts of the pilot, the plane started to go down. Finally, the pilot grabbed a parachute, yelled to the passengers that they had better jump, and then bailed out. Unfortunately, there were only three parachutes remaining. The doctor grabbed one, saying, I'm a doctor. I save lives, so I must live, then jumped out. The lawyer said, I'm a lawyer, and lawyers are the smartest people in the world. I deserve to live, and he grabbed a parachute and jumped out. The priest looked at the little boy and said, My son, I've lived a long and full life. You're young and have your whole life ahead of you. Take the last parachute and live in peace. The little boy handed the parachute back to the priest and said, Not to worry, Father. The smartest man in the world just took off with my backpack. (laughs) This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout-out to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our risen Lord and Savior, thanking Him for His sacrifice for us on Calvary, and we look forward for His soon appearing in the clouds. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us as we speak your truth to your people today. We pray a spirit of unity, a spirit of love, and a spirit of grace come to them and open their hearts and minds to receive your truth as we speak from your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, as always, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is Lean Not on Your Own Understanding. Hi, Christy. How are you today? I'm doing well today. How you are sound you doing? very happy. <laughs> Just thinking about those round town lawyers, how smart they are, you know. <laughs> I guess he's a country lawyer, doesn't really have the smarts of the New York type. I guess so. We're talking about today Lean Not on Your Own Understanding. And the title of this podcast came about for me realizing that when Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, or else you have no part in me, Jesus was not expecting them to understand. Mm. In fact, he was expecting them not to understand. And so why did he say it? Well, he said it for one thing, is that he was talking about communion and the bread and the wine, and he knew that was coming. But the other thing is that he wanted to purify their faith. He didn't want them to follow him because they understood. He wanted them to follow him because they knew he was God. And this is something that I've been dealing with in my life too, because when I receive revelation from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not explain all the time why he says what he says. Yeah. And I know it's from the Holy Spirit because the same voice that always speaks to me on everything else, and I know from many different experiences that have proven to be true that this is the voice of my Lord. I understand also that it is a test of my faith to believe God even though I don't understand him. And so in these latter days, what I'm saying to those who are listening to the sound of my voice is that God is going to put you in a position where you're going to have to 
believe him simply because of your relationship with him and not because you understand his reasoning or motives. So that's the topic of today's discussion, and that's what I want to explore with you, Christy. And I want to let God speak to his people so that they can be prepared in their hearts and minds for that coming day. Yeah, you know, this tabernacle move of God that's coming on the world is an emphasis of what God has been about since he created the world. And there's a really powerful tabernacle scripture in the book of Proverbs there's two of them, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's the essence of living in the tabernacle exactly. of Revelation. You trust in him with all your heart, not with your understanding. It's interesting because modern science is really noting the connection between the heart and the brain, and they're noticing that the heart actually has a lot of the same logical cells that the brain does, but they operate a little bit differently. And we can get impressions and knowledge and receive information in our hearts the same way we do in our brains. And there are actually more neurotransmitters, more signals going from your heart to your brain than there are from your brain to your heart. That indicates to me that we're supposed to be living from a place within us in our hearts. I believe that when God fills you with his spirit, your whole inner being gets filled with him. So your belly and your heart and all of that is consumed by God's spirit. Yes. So everything flows from your spirit inside your body, and it's supposed to guide your mind. And your mind is basically supposed to. We're created to have our minds respond to the spirit of God. So when God says, walk down the street and turn right, our body will respond to the promptings of the spirit within us. Right. But our mind isn't supposed to take over and say, wait a minute, I don't know what will happen when I turn right. I need to understand what's going on. God tells us from ancient times don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in God. And how can you trust him? You have to have a relationship with him. You can't trust people that you don't know. You have to know them. You can trust someone that you do know and you have an experienced relationship with. Somebody says, please, I need to borrow $500. And you know that they're going to pay you back when they say they're going to pay you back, then you can trust them. Okay, fine. I can give you the $500, but I need it back next week. But I know you said you'd give it to me tomorrow and I trust you. And then they do. That's how we develop trust is by learning to know someone, getting into a relationship with them, and it's the same thing with God. Exactly. You know, in the coming days, such momentous events are going to take place both in and out of the church that our natural reason is going to fail us. We're not going to understand. It's just like the Pharisees who met Jesus. They didn't understand God manifest in the flesh, not because he didn't do miracles, not because he didn't raise the dead, it's because he didn't fit their doctrine. He didn't come in the package they expected, and so they rejected him because of their reason. When what they needed to do is just say, no man can do these things except God be with him, and just accept him for what he was. And this is essentially how Jesus is going to come again in the end of the church age. He's going to come through the body of Christ, and he's going to look terribly different than what we think he should be. And he's going to have all the power and all the signs of God, but he's not going to fit our conception of what should be. He's not going to be beholding to your doctrine. Mm -hmm. He's not going to keep the commandments like you think they should be kept. He's going to hug people. He's going to kiss people. He's going to be a present tense God who just is in the moment. And this moment is going to come through members of the body of Christ. 
And the members of the body of Christ are not who you suspect they will be. They're not the big men that you see up in the pulpits. They're not the church eldership. They're not the authors. They're not the speakers. They're people that you would never suspect that God lives in. And they're going to come in places and in manners that will stumble your natural mind. And you'll say, no, this couldn't be God. So you're going to be faced at that moment with either accepting God for who he is or leaning on your own understanding. And if you lean on your own understanding, you're going to reject Christ just as much as the Pharisees and the Sadducees and lawyers and scribes rejected him in the first century. And this is incredibly important to you because the church has been locked into doctrine to where if God doesn't come according to the doctrine, they literally cast out the Son of God for his namesake. Yeah, just like they attributed Jesus' miracles to Beelzebub. It'll be the same thing. Exactly. And even those who were following Christ at the time that he made the statement that you mentioned earlier, that unless you drink my blood and eat my body, you will have no part of me, there were a lot of disciples that were following him at that time that left. They said, whoa, 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 we can't do this. The interesting thing about God is that he doesn't feel obligated to explain himself. You know, if I were one of Jesus' disciples, I would have really encouraged him, wait, 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 explain what you mean, explain what you mean. We're not talking about cannibalism, are we? What are you talking about? Explain, explain, all these people are leaving. Jesus felt no need to explain. And when he turned to Peter and asked him, are you going to leave me too? Peter's response was one of relationship with Jesus. Exactly. Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Did Peter understand what Jesus meant by drink my blood and eat my body? I highly doubt it. I don't think anybody understood it. And Jesus didn't explain what he meant as far as we know. But because Peter and the other disciples that stayed close to Jesus had a relationship with him, they knew he had the words of eternal life. I don't understand them, but I know they're of eternal life. And where else would we go? You are the one that we have the relationship with. You're the one that we want to follow. We don't understand the things that you talk about, but we know you and we know that you're the one that we need to be with. That's the kind of relationship God wants us to have. If he has to stop every time he leads us and explain what he's doing, it really slows things down. He wants us to be available to say... Christy, go do this. And then I say, okay, I'll go do it right now, whether I understand it or not. Yeah, whether you understand it or not. See, what was happening is that this was before Jesus was going to be arrested and scourged and then crucified. And so the reality of the situation, if you didn't believe in him simply because you knew him and you accepted him for what he said personally, you were going to stumble anyway, you know your person that had done miracles, that had fed the 5,000, who had walked on water, who had raised the dead, is now in prison, is now being scourged, and then shamed and dying in agony on the cross. And so if you didn't believe in him for who he was, who he said he was because of relationship, you were going to scatter anyway. I mean, it was hard enough on the disciples to not deny him thrice. So in the coming days... We're going to be Christians not because we have a doctrine that proves that we know God. We're going to be Christians because we have an experience that tells us and informs us that we know God. And despite anything that goes on in the world around us, that relationship will stand. Where reason fails, our personal experience with God will endure. That's good, yeah. And this is important to a degree I cannot hardly emphasize enough. 
In my development as a Christian, I had to decide during the move of God, the move of tabernacles, whether I was going to listen to God or listen to my eldership. That was a terrible struggle in my heart and mind because I came to that church and I decided that I was going to go all in and I was going to believe what they said. They had the truth and I was going to preach that truth and I had dedicated the last four or five years of my life to doing that. But when God came to the church, he wasn't agreeing with the church. He was being himself. And I was confronted with whether or not I was going to accept God for who he was, who he said he was, who I saw him to be, or hold on to my doctrine. Essentially, I was a little minor Pharisee, you know, caught between my doctrine and the manifestation of God. Mm. And I remember I had to make a conscious decision that come what may, I was going to listen to the Holy Spirit. I had to cast everything I had in with God and break with those who said it was wrong. And that has made all the difference in my life. At every time since then, or most times, I have always just said, okay, God, whatever you say. And he said some pretty amazing stuff that seemed wrong at the time. And I felt like I was hanging out there with nothing under me, just hanging on to what he said in opposition to everything I knew. And what happened is gradually I found out that I was wrong, he was right. But I could not see it at that point. I could not see out of the rut I was in. I was too deep. The edges were too far up. I couldn't see out and beyond. The only way to get out of that rut was just to believe him and climb out and stand where he told me to stand. And then I could see. But until I believed him and got out of the rut, it was a mystery. And I said, what are you asking me to do this time? Only in retrospect, having experienced this a few times, can I say that God is always right. No matter what you think, what you reason, God is always right. Yeah, that's right. See, the interesting thing about tabernacles, this move that's coming that's different from what we've seen before, is that it is so individual. God will move on people to do what he wants them to do for their specific situation and their specific life and their specific calling. And the way that he manifests himself may look different from person to person. used to be that you were in a church, everybody dressed pretty much the same, everybody listened to the same kind of music, everybody ate pretty much the same kind of food, had the same slang, the same Christianese, we don't do this, we do do this because we're all part of the same Christian group. But what God is doing now is moving on people individually. And just like when Jesus was on earth and he healed people, we rarely see him healing people in the same way. Sometimes he would just say, go, and when you get home, you'll see your servant is healed. Sometimes he would just put his hands on someone and they would be healed. Sometimes someone would just touch his garment and they would be healed. Sometimes he would use mud. Sometimes he would tell them to go wash. There was always a different method. And I like that about Jesus because it illustrates that he moves in different ways. There's not a set path. If Jesus healed every single person the same way, the Christians would have adopted a doctrine of healing. This is how you heal people. You have to get this kind of a mud and you have to spit on it. You got to put it on their eyes. And that would be the way to heal people instead of just leaning into God and asking God to come and heal the way he wants to heal. And God wants to move on everybody. God wants to touch people, all of us in our deepest places. And God wants to show himself to the world, but he's not going to do it in a cookie cutter fashion. That's really what he wants to do in this tabernacle movement. So, Leaning on our understanding is a huge hindrance. 
God wants to do in this world things that go beyond our understanding. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. Why do we feel like we have to understand his ways? Why not just trust the person that he is and go where he leads us? When you pull back and you look at the whole picture, when you came to Christ, somebody probably spoke to you either individually from a pulpit that a man who literally died 2,000 years ago on a cross rose on the third day for your justification. And if you accept him as your personal Lord and Savior and say, Jesus, I believe, you're going to live forever in heaven. Now, to the natural man, none of that is reasonable. Right. You did not become a Christian because it was reasonable. You became a Christian because you took a leap of faith and you believed God for who he was. When you became spirit-filled, people told you, well, there's a gift that God wants to give you. It's called being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in a language that you never learned, and you're going to speak it flawlessly because the Spirit will give you the utterance. And you say, okay, where do I sign up? (laughs) And you were filled with the Holy Spirit not because it made sense, but because you simply believed who God was. In the move of tabernacles that's beginning on the earth now, people are going to talk to you about being filled with God's love. And some girls is going to come up and kiss you on the lips and say, I love you. And you're going to feel God coming through her. And you're not going to kiss her back because it makes sense. You're going to kiss her back because you're led to by the Holy Spirit. In contravention of everything you've ever been taught. And... It's not going to be sexual. It's mm-hmm. going to be merely a demonstration of holy and pure love. And you say, wow, I didn't know this was like this. And again, you're not going to do it because it's reasonable. You're going to do it because you feel God doing it. And this is what it means not to lean on your own understanding. In everything that is really important to God, God wants you to simply believe him mm-hmm. and receive him through that belief because The natural-minded person is enmity with God. That's what got us in the trouble in the first place. Eve looked at the fruit and thought it was desirable to make one wise. You could be like God. And in her mind, she wasn't listening to God. She was just wanting something that she thought could make her better. And so she disobeyed God, and that set the whole thing off. What we need to do is we need to forsake our natural minds and start listening by revelation to God and living by revelation as we're meant to be. God wants us to live a life of faith because without faith it's impossible to please God. You can't live a life by faith if you know exactly what God's doing and you follow step by step. That's not faith. Think about Gideon who was directed in leading the army and how God told him to pare down the army, pare down the army, pare down the army until he had not nearly enough men to fight these enemies that were coming against him. When the enemies came, what happened is that God caused such confusion that the enemies turned on each other and killed themselves and Gideon's army didn't even have to fight. Well, if God had told Gideon at the beginning, your army's not even going to have to fight, this is what I'm going to do, it wouldn't have required faith, not faith in believing that he was going to be victorious. He would know, okay, this is how this is going to go. So it doesn't matter. We can take 300. We can take three. No big deal. 
that's not as much faith as going, okay, we have 300 men and this army is huge, this isn't going to work, but God said. That's the kind of faith that pleases God, and that's how God wants us to live our lives. He doesn't want to have to explain everything. He didn't want to explain the drinking of the blood and the eating of my body, even though in retrospect we can say, oh, I see what he's talking about. He's talking about communion. He's talking about having him abide in us and abide in him. He didn't feel the need to explain it at the time because he wanted people to trust him. That's how he is with us. If we have to have everything explained as we're walking with God, it's going to trip us up and it's actually going to keep us from going where God wants us to go. It requires faith to walk with God the way he wants us to walk. A personal challenge for me is having gone to Bible college because learning what I did, I'm finding myself constantly having to unlearn it to follow God. me too. And I remember the day that God revealed to me that the seraphim are female. And the seraphim are the us that God consults when he's making man. And he says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then he creates man, male, and female. That is difficult for people to understand. Mm -hmm. It was difficult for me to understand because in Isaiah, Isaiah is before the throne of God and sees the seraphim and it says it's he. And I realize that. And it says the dragon, that old serpent, is a he. And so how could... Lucifer be a she. I've wrestled with that. God just came out to me and says, Lucifer is female. And I wrestled with that so much because my natural mind, my theological upbringing and teaching says that can't be, that goes against scripture. And I wrestled with that a long time until I decided, Lord, you know more than I. I don't understand it. I don't even think it's true, but I'm going to trust your voice more than my natural mind. And when I did that, a very interesting thing happened. I accepted that Lucifer, I call her Lucy now, is female. She's a fallen seraph. And we are battling against a seraph that has gone bad. Lucifer really broke bad. And when she broke bad, she broke all the way. She exposed herself to the host of heaven She enticed a third of the stars to follow her. And there's been war in heaven ever since. And I never really understood the war in heaven. I never understood why God is so upset about Israel falling into idolatry. And why did Israel fall into idolatry in the first place? Their father is Abraham, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. I mean, why did they fall into idolatry? Once I understood the revelation that Lucifer is female, I understood that most of the minor and even the major prophets are talking about God's heartbreak. God is absolutely heartbroken over someone who played the harlot on him, someone who fell into idolatry, someone who did evil in his sight. And what he's talking about, he's talking about Lucifer that fell. Now, Seraphim, we don't even know what they are. They have six wings, and that's about it. They can handle coals of fire without getting burnt. They're the burning ones. Mm -hmm. They're beings that are of unsurpassed power. I mean, next to God, they are above his head on his throne. And so we don't really know what they are. But what I do know is, to God's male, they are the female. And so when Lucifer fell, she ravaged God's kingdom. She deceived and she tempted people 
angels and whatever other beings to rebel against the Most High. And she wanted to ascend the sides of the North and become like God, which she's been doing ever since. You know, people wonder why there's a hell. Well, there's an eternal hell because there's eternal beings that are evil mm. that need to be put in hell. And why do they need to be put in hell? Because they'll never stop. Yeah. You could put Satan, that old dragon, in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And after a thousand years, the day after, she'll be right back at it again. And so there's never a time that she's not going to want to destroy and mangle and kill. The only thing you can do is punish her eternally away from everybody else so that everybody else can live. So I said all that to say this. I had to jettison my natural theological mind in order to accept what God said. I did not understand it any more than the disciples understood when Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. I do not understand that, but I do know that it's right. And when I look at the scriptures now, I understand what God is getting at. This is why when he talked about the king of Tyre, he said the bright and shining one, the sum of all wisdom, used to walk up and down in the stones of fire. You know, he wasn't talking about a natural king. He was talking about a being of unsurpassed power that fell. And it goes on and on. And when I read the Bible now, I understand what God's getting at. His heart is broken. And this is why there's a bride of Christ. Yeah. You understand? God says you are a bride of Christ. Why? Because you're the replacement for Lucifer. You're the replacement for that seraph that fell, that has been making everybody miserable since time immemorial. You are a seraph in the making. Mankind, taken as a whole, perfected in Christ, is a replacement for that seraph. This is why we are female. This is why God says through Paul, we are a virgin espoused without spot or wrinkle. A virgin becomes a wife. Why? Well, because there's a wedding feast where everybody gathers around and celebrates the joining of Christ to his wife. God manifests in the flesh, takes a bride and makes her a wife. She becomes a queen to replace Vashti, Lucifer. This is the mystery of the church. This is what's really going on. And had I held to my natural-minded doctrine, I could never tell you what I just said. I would never have been able to go there myself, and I could never tell you that. And I still don't understand it. I just know it's true. And the more that I allow God to tell me things, the more I understand his word. And this is vital for the next few years because God is going to begin to do things that don't make Mm -hmm. much sense to our natural mind. And you're going to be faced with, do you believe God or are you still a slave to your natural understanding? Mm -hmm. This is the crux of the issue I'm telling you right here. And no matter how schooled you are, no matter how experienced you are, you'll be faced with this. And how you answer this one question before God is going to, in large part, determine whether you follow after the Antichrist or make heaven your home. That's right. It's like we don't understand the concept of all the men and women of earth that come together are the bride, the female. 
to God's mail so that we can be the bride. And Jesus creates us pure and holy to present us to God, to replace what God has lost. And just like we can't understand those things with our natural minds, when we allow ourselves to rest in the Spirit of God, we can grasp the things that He is saying to us. The key to all of this is that we have to understand how to hear the voice of God. It's imperative that we each learn for ourselves how to hear God and how he is speaking to us. And that's another thing that we can't put in a doctrine and put in a lesson and step by step because God speaks in many, many different ways. Exactly. And there are some people that experience God where they almost hear him audibly or they see words go across their mind or they experience some sort of a physical sensation in their body. Other people just have a knowing in their spirit that rises up. There are many different ways that God talks and many different ways that God talks to each of us. He will talk to us differently. Sometimes you get just an impression of a word. Sometimes you just get a feeling in your spirit. Sometimes there's just a knowing that comes into your mind, but it's all from the Spirit of God. And unless we know what the voice of God sounds like, we're not going to be able to walk in this. It's very, very important that we each learn to have our own relationship with God and through that relationship learn to hear Him. We can't tell you how to hear Him any more than we can tell you to describe to us what your brother's voice sounds like when he calls you. Well, I don't know. It's male and he sounds like my brother. But when your brother calls and you pick up the phone and he says, hey, how you doing? You recognize his voice because you know him. It's the same with us in our relationship with God. When we know him and the closer we get to him, the deeper our relationship with him goes, the more we will recognize his voice. We won't have to question it. When somebody that you're really familiar with calls, you don't question and say, is this really you? Prove to me that it's you. Because we know them. We've heard their voice so many times and they've called so many times, we know what it sounds like. That's how we need to get with God. Jesus promised us that his sheep would hear his voice. Exactly. This is not something that is only for a select few. Anybody that is a sheep of Jesus, that belongs to God, that is saved by the blood of Jesus, has the ability to hear his voice, and God wants all of us to be able to hear his voice. This is how we're going to navigate through these days and what God is doing. I remember when God told me to divorce my first wife. I had married a lovely girl from Bible college. She was a Bible college graduate. She wanted to be a minister's wife. I wanted to be a minister. And I married her according to the way that people thought you were supposed to be married. Did all the counseling and held the line before marriage. And we conformed to the doctrine of the particular church that we were at. And that went for about three years. And then God came in a move of his spirit to the church, I call it the Tabernacle Blessing, and he didn't agree with my choice of bride. Mm. And I struggled with it. I thought, no, that's a holy vow. I made it before God and man, and I promised, and I made a covenant, and all the things. And the more I fought against divorcing my wife, the more my wife and I fought. It was horrible. I was getting blessed so much by the move of God, but my wife and I were just fighting like cats and dogs. And I was holding strong, though. You know, I had faith for my marriage, and God was going to heal my marriage, and I was doing what the counselor said to do, and God just didn't agree. And I had to come to the realization that where God was calling me to go, my wife could not follow. And I had married her not by God's direction, I married her because she was a good woman of God. She wanted to be a pastor's wife, and she was a good choice according to my reasoning. Mm. And she was a good woman. It wasn't that she was bad. She just wasn't the one that God mm. wanted me to be with. 
And so I finally had to come to the realization that God wanted me to divorce my wife against every doctrine, every precept, every teaching I had been taught for the last five years. And so I did. And the moment that I obeyed God and told my wife that I wanted a divorce, we got along famously. Wow. All the fighting stopped. We lived in harmony (laughs) until we got the divorce. We didn't fight over our stuff. When I yielded to God, he just smoothed the way and we got divorced. Now, it was, it was difficult. You know, we had three years of a life together. Other people around us, frankly, made it more difficult than mm-hmm. it needed to be. Mm-hmm. They were very judgmental. But as far as her and I, when I followed God's will, all the problems stopped. And she was disappointed. I was disappointed. But we had a divine divorce from God. And I gave her everything except I kept the little business I had and we went our separate ways. And to the day that she passed away, 10 years later, she didn't change her last name. And we always had a cordial relationship. And so that really taught me that I needed to listen to God and do what he wanted me to do, even though it made no natural sense to Mm -hmm. me. And you really hit the nail on the head in saying that the most struggle that you got was the external people looking at your choice and saying it was wrong. Telling me what I had to do. Right. And both of you and your spirits obviously knew that was right because you both had a piece about it when the decision was made. That's where our natural mind trips us up so much is people-pleasing trying to do what people around us are telling us to do or what people are telling us they think God wants us to do, but it's not based on God. I remember myself coming into the spiritual connection movement. I didn't know anything about it. God didn't explain it in detail. He just manifested a spiritual connection between me and another person. It was something neither of us had ever experienced. I had never heard of it anywhere, but there was just deep, close connection. We could sense what each other was feeling. We could pray for each other really on point because we knew exactly what was going on. And when we made it known to people around us, there was a lot of resistance. People said, that can't, yeah, exactly. that can't be God. Well, why not? Well, because we don't see it in the Bible. Well, actually, there are many examples of it in the Bible, but well, no, it doesn't fit with our doctrine. This can't happen. This is an inappropriate relationship. How is it inappropriate? There's nothing immoral or sexual going on. It's just a close spiritual connection. It's something that God has done. Oh, we don't think that God could have done that. Well, he did. And there was no way that I could be convinced or the other person could be convinced that it wasn't God. But it got to the point where I had to make a choice. Am I going to follow God? Because I knew that he was leading me in this and it was a springboard into greater things in God, not just about spiritual connections, but about listening to him and following his lead and getting in the sink of what God was really doing right now on the earth. So I could grab hold of that and go where God wanted me to go and risk losing everybody that I loved and knew, or I could have just given in to my own understanding, my desire to please people, my desire to not destroy relationships, and rejected what God wanted. And the choice was mine. And I remember having to make that choice. And I made the choice. I want to follow God. I want to do everything that God wants me to do. And I'm really willing to give up whatever I need to give up to get there. But it was tough. It caused a break and I lost a lot of stuff that I had, most of the people that I loved. And it took me into something that I didn't understand. But the more you walk in what God leads you to, even if you don't understand it, the more it just opens up to a beautiful place. The place I'm in now in God and in my life is beyond anything I thought I could ever experience. It's absolutely beautiful. And painful sacrifices were made that are still painful. But our own understanding can keep us stuck where we think we should be based on our understanding or where we've been taught we should be or where other people tell us we should be. If you had done what the people around you had said and stayed married to her, 
there would have been a lot that you wouldn't have been able to walk in in God. And it's more important to obey God than obey man. We need to remember that. And if our own understanding contradicts what we know God is leading, we have got to go with what God is leading. Exactly. That's the essence of lean not on your own understanding. And this is what the essence of a spirit-led life is. You don't walk according to what you know. You walk according to who you know and who you trust. You don't walk according to what you understand. You walk according to what he says. Right. And if he says something that doesn't make sense, you still follow him because you know his voice. You're a sheep. There's no place else for you to really go. And when a sheep goes away from the shepherd, there's wolves, there's lack of food, there's lack of water, there's lack of shelter. And sheep don't do good when they're not with their shepherd. And in the future here, right directly, there's going to be things that happen that don't make sense to our natural minds. God will lead us in different ways that look contrary to everything we believe. The world will be just fearful. There's mainlanging fear because they think that their whole future and the whole human race is going to be destroyed. And we have to do this in order to save our planet. And you're just going to say, no, I don't think so. Well, why? We have scientific evidence. Well, because God doesn't say that. God's saying something else to me. And if you follow your reasoning, you are going to follow the Antichrist. The Antichrist is the epitome of the natural man. The Antichrist is going to make so much sense to your reason Mm. that you won't have any place to go except where he wants you to go. The Antichrist is Satan incarnate. He is the son of perdition. He is the man of sin. And all the world is going to wonder after the beast. If you are led by your natural reasoning, you're going to accept everything he says. And the false prophet says, hook, line, and sinker. And you're going to be going off the cliff with everybody else. The only way that you're going to stand against this strong delusion is through strong revelation. And that's through hearing directly for yourself, personally, the voice of God in your life and following it contrary to your natural reasoning, if that's necessary. Yeah. You know, I could talk to you about the more acceptable things of God and things that people don't get riled up about. But I feel that that is not what's going to really help you. My heart is that as many as possible are saved from the coming destruction. And to be saved from the coming destruction is not a doctrine. It's a relationship. Exactly. If you know Jesus Christ personally, if you're led by his spirit in a very strong way, you will stand as a standard against the flood, the filth that the Antichrist and the false prophets are going to unleash in the world. Things are going to get very, very strange here right directly. And you need to know God for yourself. If you're following a man, if you're following a doctrine, if you're just following by rote some liturgy, you're going to fall unless God has extreme grace on you. I'm just saying lean not on your own understanding, but lean into God and hear his voice for yourself and do his word yourself. And if you are in line with God, you will be in line with other members of his body and you will connect with them. And that will be your strength in these coming days. I guess I'm just warning you like everybody else has been warning everybody for the last hundred years. Don't follow a man. Follow God. Yes. That is your safety. 
He is who can grant you access to heaven. Nobody else can, and nobody else will take your reward or take your punishment. You will. It's you, and it's God. That's all I want to do myself. And that is the place of peace and safety. The place of peace and safety sometimes seems like, well, if I just go along with the crowd, if I go with the flow of the people, if I just go with where my church is going, things will be safe. There won't be any upheaval. That's a lie of the enemy. The real safety and the real peace is being in the will of God and going where he leads you to go. Paul said, am I now trying to please man or please God? If I'm trying to please man, I cannot please God. There's always a dichotomy there. And sometimes there will be people around you that will be in agreement with where God is going, and you'll be going to the same place together. And as long as you're both following God and going together, that's good. But if you're going somewhere because a man, a person, a group is going there, not because God's going there, that's not a place of peace. The place of peace and safety is following and obeying God. Exactly. And lastly today, I want to tell you a story about a pastor in Germany that I talked to. And I had an extensive period of time talking to him because he'd come to me for advice. God was leading him to do something that was totally outside the bounds of anything in his Lutheran doctrine. And he knew it was obviously God, but he wouldn't move on it. And he was trying to keep what he had and do God's will. But the two turned out to be mutually exclusive. And because he tried to walk that center line and have both, he ended up losing all. Wow. He lost what God was leading him to do, and he lost what he already had until he ended up in America selling insurance. I mean, that's so cliche. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. You know, what I'm saying is you cannot keep the natural mind and be spirit led. The two are mutually, two are mutually incompatible. Exclusive. Yeah, that's right. You can't do that. You got to choose one or the other. And I'm saying that you got to choose God and lean not on your own understanding. I think I understand this because the spirit of revelation is upon me. I see it so clearly. I think everybody should do it. And mm-hmm. you know, I understand that it's easier said than done. Yeah. But I want you to know I have done this in my life. And this is what the result is of it. You know, it's difficult, but the fruit of it is sure. And I just want to pray for you right now in Jesus' name that God will open up your heart to receive the revelation that I am speaking to you. I'm not speaking to you just by myself. This is God trying to talk to you, and he's trying to warn you of something that's coming up very shortly. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that your Holy Spirit will penetrate the hearts of those that are listening to this podcast and that you will open their mind to your revelation about leaning not on their own understanding, but giving everything they have to you and to hear your voice and to do your will personally. I pray, Father, that these spirits of fear and spirits of trepidation they have, I pray that they would be pushed out of their mind right now so that they understand that your voice alone is who they listen to and that they need not that any other man teach them, save your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you give them courage. I pray that you give them a determination to be your sheep no matter what. And in these coming days, Father, I ask that they hear only your voice, and they follow you and not anyone else, because you are the great shepherd. You are the master of their souls, and you care for them, And you lead them beside still waters and into green pastures. And I pray in the name of Jesus, when all these things are coming to pass on the earth, that they shall be in peace. They shall be 
fed and then they should be taken care of by you Mm -hmm. because you honor what they have done by listening to your voice and doing your will in this age. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there you go. The deep things of God for you to (laughs) revel in. Chew on this week. Yeah, it's a big bone. (laughs) Anyway, we love you so much. We thank you for taking your time to Mm -hmm. listen to the end of this podcast. You know, it's always so special to us when you actually make it to the end. We give you another gold star. And if you've done more than 10 podcasts, you get a platinum star. Ooh. Yeah. You are here because you desire God. Mm -hmm. Take that which you find good and hold it fast yeah what resonates in your spirit is what god wants yeah. you to hold on to and dig into the tabernacle experience is a smorgasbord mm-hmm. and everybody goes and gets what's appealing to them and what they feel that will taste well and that's okay you don't have to eat everything you'd be fat <laughs> right <laughs> anyway you guys have a great week be blessed be safe Let God lead and guide you, and we'll talk to you next time on God's Love Club. Bye-bye. Bye.